wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Hey, hey, everybody. Good morning. Happy Friday. Welcome to the morning Friday. show. Is it Friday? Friday. TGIF. I don't know. All the fun things. I don't, it's Friday. Yeah. Glad and, you're here. Yeah. For, uh, for a lot of us in the automotive industry, Friday is like a day of the week. Saturday is more of our Friday. Um, and so, yeah, yeah it's just, uh, but, um, you know, for many of us, it's, it's still Friday because sure. that's how we grew up. Right. And it's, that's a big thing. Yesterday, yesterday we had our uh, dealer roundup. Yep. Um, went really, really well. Some Internet great information. It did. <laughs> Sorry about that on Wednesday. I think it's because Jim's lucky charm wasn't here. I think that's probably it. You weren't yeah. here. And so, you know, the world was a little out of kilter. Earth just, was it, off its <laughs> axis a bit. It was off its axis. Mm -hmm. so. um, but uh, I know you guys are all wondering. My my son got in great and it was great to catch up. And he'd been down in Florida with some family for and visiting his grandma and all of that down there. And really came back with a sunburn. And he found out. And and those of you who <laughs> Jim's like you're really going to tell him this. Oh boy. It's just hilarious. So he is he's kind of a hermit so he doesn't get out in the sun a lot. So when he goes to Florida to visit family, he will have to like lots and lots and lots of sunscreen. And <laughs> he goes, "Mom, who knew your belly button could could burn?" <laughs> You don't put I'm like, well, maybe now, you, you know? should do that from now on because lessons. that is, it is skin. So life lessons, life lessons. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was, we got it. We've got a really good laugh out of that, but, uh, a great conversation with Jimmy Rambo and, and, uh, thank you, Jimmy for, for joining us. Yeah. That. And then yesterday, our virtual, mm -hmm. our, our, uh, virtual dealer roundup mm -hmm. with our panelists. Uh, thanks again to those panelists for making yeah. time from their busy schedule, just like we got. Mr. Hugo Sanchez, Danny, yeah. by today, right in the middle of tax refund season. Yeah, I know, right? Preparation <laughs> season. He's uh, he's over here with us, so it kind of him to yeah, make time to join us to then talk about repo process. We've got a couple things coming up. We got, um, you know, of course, we got V8 meetings still mm -hmm. uh, happening. We've got that new group that meets at the end of the month. If you're interested in a V8 group, he just it's had so the meeting last night. It was v a busy day for him. You so. haven't heard V equals virtual eight means dealers of you know update <laughs> dealers in the group. And uh, so we've got some groups uh, coming together. Yeah. We had a meeting last night with our newcomer group, and uh, yeah, enjoying that. It's uh, yeah. it's it's good. We're we're figuring out. We're kind of ironing you out know, some the of the eight wrinkles. Is a seems like it's a pretty good um, mix because when you get to bigger than that, it's just hard to do something like this virtually where yeah. people can actually contribute and have a conversation about stuff. So it seems to be going pretty well. So pretty happy yeah. about that. Also put on your calendar, March 15th, we're going to have our first fireside chat, white hat way fireside chat. Um, and so it's webinar type, um, content and we will be talking and it's interesting how much this was talked about yesterday at the yeah. roundup is team culture and keeping people engaged and wanting to stay Edgar, Edgar Rodriguez um, who is one of our our panelists that was talking about um, inventory pipeline uh, he was saying he's had some techs that have worked with him for more than 15 years yeah. um, and so but he talked about the three C's if it, you know uh, and that 
culture was one of those things. And yeah. so if y'all ha didn't have a chance to see it, we'll have it up on the Institute here by our bhphinstitute.com um, within the next couple of days. And so you can get access to it there, but it was really, really great conversation. Right. So good stuff. Yeah. yeah so such rich uh, information. So yeah. yeah, we'll make sure what people else? know where to find that. Um, that's it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there, just like V8 groups, just reach out, you go to yeah. whitehatway.com yeah. forward slash V8 groups and you can find the stuff and let us know if you're interested in getting in a group. Absolutely. We got spots and uh, like I said, people are, are really enjoying it. The dealers are having great things to say about it. <laughs> so, George, <laughs> George Spat says, and if they miss a meeting, do they say, dang it, I could have had, had a V8. V8. So we're we talked about this and it's like, we understood it. I said it to my kids and they're like, I don't get it. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, well, that's younger generation. They don't, yeah. they don't know. <laughs> I see Hugo laughing in the background. He's apparently old enough to know the reference. But, so yes, because yeah. we it were thinking like us. that could be something fun for marketing, but it would only resonate with people that were in their, you know, late forties and older. Is, is about it. So sure. the younger ones may not understand that reference. Yeah. So let's I'll bring go. our guest in. Shall we? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Hugo Sanchez. Thank I you so much. That's a joke and I'm not in my 40s yet, okay? Okay. <laughs> oh, got it. Yeah, okay, so obviously your parents enjoyed that kind of stuff or that you saw it on TV or whatever. So mm -hmm. so maybe we could use it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, that's, that would kind of be fun. And, um, and when, when Jim mentioned that that's what he wanted to call it, I I was like, you mean like the juice? <laughs> I was thinking more V8 car engines, but right, right. for you. I mean, I, get, I got both sides. I got the engine and I got the juice. So it, it's, right you know, full circle. It, it yeah, does. It really, look really does. It really juice does. straddling generations. Way to go. <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, it's all fun. We got, uh, we're, we're definitely having fun with that V8 mm -hmm. thing. We'll tell you all about it later, Hugo. But I think for today, we, we, uh, I, I reached out just last minute. And I appreciate you making time at, uh, on short notice to uh, join this conversation. And I'm going to say right up front, Hugo Sanchez, Jim and Michelle Rose are not attorneys. We're not offering legal advice here. We're going to talk about some operational things, and we're going to skirt the edge of some legal elements of this. And so any of these areas where you're not sure, consult your attorney. Please. I think for the most part, yeah. we're kind of sticking on a national level. Mm -hmm. the, most of what we're going to talk about here today, Hugo, should be kind of UCC, national stuff. Like it's not going to vary mm -hmm. so much by state. But I would still say, because there are some jurisdictional things with some of these things, I always say just, just make sure with your attorney. But I think the reason I wanted to have you involved is because as we talk to folks out there, and of course, with our V8 thing now, one of the things you're doing, and, and 20 groups have been dealing with this for decades, this thing about, you know, and by here, payer, we're very independent. We have all these different practices. Mm -hmm. You see it in accounting, like there, people have different ways of doing things. And it kind of creates, at a minimum for me, it becomes a frustration because it's hard to get apples to apples when you're working with operational things and trying to help give people advice about how to, you know, tweak this or that. But then beyond that, there's some other elements that I think, you know, having been a dealer myself and accounting with rfcs and all this kind of stuff mm -hmm. i think you start to think yeah. ahead to you know what is the proper quote unquote proper way so for me it's really today we're going to offer a recommended mm -hmm. procedure based yeah. on a lot of experience you know i i i if i may because sure. you know i just will you will <laughs> um that one like like jim said is that we really appreciate the fierce independence of dealers out mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. and that Many of them that are, you know, have been in business for a little bit, they just, they, they fought their way through figuring out as they went along how to do a lot of these things. And, um, and so they found ways that it works. 
and that they knew how to track and that, you know, it's just like, so I can run the stuff based on that. And, and, you know, we've had conversations with, uh, with, um, uh, Amanda and Hugo, Amanda said, uh, you're, um, you're the other half of the partnership, mm-hmm. Butler Sanchez, she's awesome. <laughs> Love her. Um, and that it's, you know, that as CPAs, you see that there is, there is this fierce independence, but to their detriment sometimes and to the detriment of those that have to start running their numbers and figuring out where things are and what they're doing. And so, so, you know, we've, we've had the conversation about how do you standardize ways of doing things for fiercely independent dealers? And so this is kind of like one of the ways that we can get the word out. It's like, this is a way of doing charge offs or it's, you know, suggested way of doing charge offs that, um, you know, maybe a change, for how you're doing it, but it it actually will flow better to your accountants, and it will flow better uh, or to your CPAs, and it'll it, if you're in a 20 group or a V8 group or whatever, that it will be something that w- you know you're gonna know more and more that it is apples to apples, and that you're not trying to figure out I don't know how to get this number because this is not how we do it. Well, and maybe it's oh, go ahead, you go. I was gonna say that just that sounds way better than well, that's always how we've done it, or hey, that's how yeah. you know my parents yeah. did it when they own a lot, or mm-hmm. you know, something yeah. like that. That's never gonna be good enough for us, right? Good that's morning. we gotta keep pushing on some of that. But I think um but I would set expectations around standardization. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you you're probably not ever gonna get to full standardization in our industry, but you could certainly introduce these practices and as Michelle talks about, you know we can, we can advise dealers and occasionally we can strongly advise dealers, you know, but that's about where it ends for us. Like they're independent for a reason. They do what they do because they, they want to do it a certain way. We're just also trying to keep them out of some legal hot water, you know? And mm-hmm. so there's, there's some procedural things that I think for today, and you can share the screen, Michelle, when there's a, there's another tile down there below. I see it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's honey. Look at that. That's so, okay. There you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna enlarge that a little bit and just make that. Yeah. Um, hold on. Here. So yeah, I've got quite a bit of stuff in there that we um, we can. Um, we'll just go kind of slowly here. But I what I just picked some numbers here, Hugo, and just threw them on the screen so we kind of talk through a a scenario or two. But you know, if I pick that the customer has a principal balance at the time of a repo of ten thousand dollars, and there's some other small amounts in there, so the total account balance is sitting at ten three. Then if we just assume we, you know, we, we repossess, that's where we stand with the customer's account balance. That's what's showing on our receivables report at that time. And so, you know, nothing, nothing really changes until we, we start the process of assessing the collateral. We determine it's got, we get an estimate and we find out it's got about $800 worth of body damage. I would say a written estimate on that is really important. We need to be able to justify and document any kind of adjustments we're making to the car's value. And then we start to get wholesale bids or values. So there's different ways to do this. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, an internal sale of the, the repo or collateral versus an external sale. So for right now, I've got on the screen here some, we're going to get some bids. So I'm saying, because we don't know yet if we're keeping the car or running it to an auction or what's going to happen. We're, we're just finishing the assessment. Now it's approaching time to charge it off. And so we've got these values assigned. So we might go to MMR as an example. I've got Black Book in there. Ideally, I mean, these are just points of reference that are going to be some sort of indication of value. And we, we have to print those off. You know, it's not enough to look it up and, and have an idea. Okay, we so is those. this your first thing? It's you got to print them off. Why? 
Well, when you say got to, we're highly recommending to dealers <laughs> that they they print this stuff off and put it in the file because they have to be able to justify. Let's talk a minute about the the legal language or a couple of legal things that I've heard and I know it's still out there. Um, one of the phrases is commercially reasonable manner. So we've got to show that we get, so let's think about first, there's another phrase there and I have it on, um, on there somewhere about the fair market value. So when we talk about fair market value, I think the key word there is fair. It's like, are, are we doing everything reasonable to give the repo customer credit for the, the collateral that we recovered? Okay, so we're supposed to now credit the customer's account for whatever the value is mm -hmm. that we that we captured there. So uh, that's why I think this is so important that we get those numbers documented, okay. you know, and all the attorneys. Will so tell why? Us. I mean, okay, so why why would you want to do that for the customer? Let's role play. You're Let's, the customer. Okay, I repossessed I'm, your car. I'm okay. I all right. Now, now I I say. <laughs> You you th you you said there was no damage to the car. I get the car back in, and I say it's mm -hmm. only worth fifteen hundred dollars. I send you a notice later saying, "Hey, it's like I still owe eight thousand dollars on it." Right, and so now you go to your friendly attorney because your your father in law <clears> is an attorney, <throat> and you go to the attorney, and he says, "Yeah, let's sue him, and uh, let's and let's go to court and find out why they only gave you fifteen hundred dollars for mm -hmm. this car." You know, whatever. So it's like now it's like I I have I have to justify because you now on your credit report. You know, you know, you have a sufficiency balance that's higher because I set a lower number. So when I set a number as the creditor in this case, I need to be able to justify, document the number that I'm placing. And it needs to be fair. So that's why you see me over here with three bids. I mean, I've got two kind of book values and I've got, um, and then I've got a wholesaler who, you know, again, a wholesaler on a phone call or a text message is probably not what I would go with. I would, and I used to have in my own dealership, a little sheet where the, the wholesaler could put in a value and they could circle a thing that I'm interested in buying it or I'm not interested in buying it. This is just a value, you know? And so this is what I think the car is worth on a wholesale market. So now I've got that. So now we can move on. So, you know, again, it's just important to say, we got, we got to go through some, uh, the reason it says commercially reasonable, it's like, are we using some sort of external valuation or did you just get your, your brother Hugo to throw a number on it, you know, to, 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 mm -hmm. so you can move on. Mm -hmm. So now this is really important that we take time to document that. And now when we start to process the charge off, this is the part Hugo that I thought from your standpoint as a, as an accountant, I want to make sure we talk through these pieces because in my own experience, what would happen here is I mentioned that we've got $800 worth of body damage. The wholesalers are telling me the car is worth this number if repaired. Because when I look it up in MMR, obviously MMR doesn't know about the body damage. So they're giving me a value of the, this car with a certain amount of miles. And mm -hmm. so that's my number. But now I have to adjust that because it's got this $800 worth of body damage. So in this case, what I'm doing is I'm picking the high number. Why? Because I'm being fair. I'm satisfying the fair market value. I'm picking the highest number of the three. And then I'm adjusting from that the $800 worth of body damage. And when I charge off the account in the software, most of the systems that I've seen inside uh, the, the actual process, Hugo, it, it, it basically will bring up the customer's account. When you go to charge off, it's going to ask you, you know, what is the value of the vehicle that you recovered? And you're going to put that in here. So in this case, I'm going to put in that $3,300. Because you're taking after, out the $800. Right. Okay. I've taken out $800 and... So what's going to happen there is we follow the accounting part of this through 
you know, the customer now is going to have a net charge off balance or a deficient balance on their account of that, that $7,000. My receivables on the accounting side are going to go down by that full 10, three, the inventory is going to increase by that $3,300. That car now becomes inventory, which is significant to me in terms of managing inventory. I would much rather, a lot of systems don't have a good way to manage repo inventory. So I might have 10, 15 cars in a repo status at any given time. It's kind of hard to manage them when they're sitting out there in a kind of a pending repo status. I don't really have them on my inventory report. So I think there's, there's benefit to just having it charged off, mm -hmm. having that, that car back in inventory. And now there's a, you know, there's a bad debt charge off right there of $10,300. And then there's a, an, a recovery, what we call recovery repo or repo recovery proceeds. You've got that number there. So you've actually got a net charge off of that again, which is what the a customer's account balances. But there are a couple of things that happen here, Hugo, from a, you know, the accounting element in this for me is a couple, couple things. Um, it's the timing of this process, right? As you know, is when, when do we do mm. it? Like how frequently do we do this? One of the things that we see that I don't recommend that dealers do is they'll wait for a car to sell at the auction before they charge off. Well, right. the reason you and I would have a problem with that potentially is because now we've got this non-performing asset of a receivable sitting on our balance sheet. We think it's a real, mm -hmm. you know, we think we've got a real asset over there. And in fact, we really, if we follow this process, so I'm recommending a monthly to my clients, I'm recommending a monthly routine for charge offs. So you can do it more frequently, but I would say at a minimum of monthly. So if it's the third week of the month or we're closing, the, <clears throat> we're, we're approaching the close of February, I would recommend that these kind of go in what I'm calling a charge off queue. It's like, if I'm the manager, Hugo, and you're the dealer, I'm going to bring you the list. Here are the four accounts that need to be charged off. Here's the values of those cars and how we arrived at those values. And, and so now they're in the queue and it's, it's up to you as the dealer principal or whomever to, to, to go through the actual charge off process. So this is yeah. all to me, it's like the first order business is getting those non-performing contracts off of the balance sheet. Right. And you know, if some, if, if a dealer says mm -hmm. to me, well, I, I can't, before to do that yet, that's a concern for me. Like if we, if we don't have enough wiggle room and we're feeling the pressures of borrowing base. I was about ready to bring that yeah. up because yeah. that was something that came up yesterday where it's like, you've got all this inventory sitting on your lot that is in a hold status. So you stay in covenants with your lenders. And, yeah. and I don't understand that. Um, and so I'd love to learn more about that a little bit. And I don't know if that's another subject, but yeah. I'm like, that's a real, that, that it came up by some very seasoned dealers that yeah. that's one of the reasons they stay out of debt as best as they can because of that. Yeah, absolutely. If we want to touch on that, let's ask the lenders for earmuffs. Um, <laughs> you know. But yeah. yeah, no, that that's a thing, right? They want to unfortunately play a little bit with, with those loan covenants. And what happens is we don't, the reduction in principle, right? Because we're writing off that debt. So we're lowering our AR and we're taking a hit to our net income. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so we want to be careful if we're kind of approaching that top line of where we can borrow and how much we can borrow. That means we're going to have to immediately pay some money, some money back. Right. No, for yeah. sure. And I think, you know, the one thing for, for me is like, I, so I was on a consulting visit one time, Hugo, it's been several years ago, but I, the, the, manager who'd been there you know three years or something talking about this long list of delinquent accounts and oh i remember off. that she knows yeah i remember that and it was, don't, it was don't like say uh who and where but <laughs> the, the manager the manager told me well i can't charge those off because it hits my bonus yeah right and hello I th you did not just say that to me. <laughs> no. he's not with the company anymore uh but it, you just know that you know that's something okay. that 
this is why, you know, when mm-hmm. we see that if we don't have a routine for charging this stuff off and if we settle into a mm-hmm. routine, then it's good for you from a bookkeeping standpoint, accounting standpoint, you know, you've got and you can advise your clients accordingly that the assets are pure, that, you know, you've got a clean set of books, a clean set of receivables. And and so for us, we're measuring more mm-hmm. like portfolio performance and, you know, uh, collateral recovery rates and performance of the contracts, then we, we want to know that the contracts yeah. are you know, the portfolio list is clean, right? You're always going to have yeah. some in transition in this whole process and whatever else. But when we have a monthly routine, now we, we're not carrying any dead wood in our portfolios expression I've used. About how these. often would you suggest when with your clients, how often do you suggest that they do this process? Do you want my accounting answer or yes, my real world answer, right? answer and then your real world <laughs> the accounting answer is it should be done immediately right as, as soon as as soon as you have possession of the asset mm-hmm. you should be able to um figure out what the fair market value is and put it in the dms and, and yep. close out the account move on right it should happen instantly i get that in the real world um no it doesn't it doesn't work that way we're busy we've got other things to worry about we've got to wait to look it up or you know get some quotes on the repairs etc um so you know real world answer as soon as possible but i I think i agree with you guys is is at an absolute the longest you should go is is on a monthly basis but if it can be done more often i absolutely would yeah and and i one of the things that i i i think is worth saying is and i I know when we talk about um gaping holes and all of that who is responsible for charging vehicles off because when it's in in the hands of your general manager and they're and or they're or whomever outside of the the dealer principal then their paycheck right absolutely that exactly. that all goes back to like the accounting um segregation of duties right and yes you can't have the same the one person have uh too much control and obviously if if repos are affecting their bonus or whatever they shouldn't have full and final control of those things because yeah you know if it's december 30th december 31st and they're you know close to year end, close to that bonus or whatever for the quarter for the year, they're gonna they're gonna play with the numbers. Sure. It's not a maybe. It's it's, it's probably, human nature. No, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and part of the reason I, I'm, I'm glad to have you part of this conversation, it's it's just another one of these examples where there's a bit of a disconnect between, you know, us over here doing operational consulting, there's legal and then there's you guys as accounting and it's hard to get all those things really married up. Mm-hmm. And I just know that if I'm a dealer and I have 10 pending repos, and I chose not to charge them off in February, and I carry them into March. What does that mean? My past due list inside my business is now showing more delinquency. You know, I've got more, but from an accounting standpoint, it doesn't change anything really for you. The assets just moved from February into March. You're not looking at delinquency. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't see that that's any kind of a thing. You're not aware that those assets are not performing unless you go into some sort of deep, you know, analysis. And so this is part of why I say that, you know, this is where dealers sometimes get themselves in trouble. And if they find themselves like I would just say when when Hugo and I recommend to you that you charge off at a minimum of monthly and you say you cannot do that, please ask yourself why. Why? Yeah. Why can you not yeah. do that? And and if the Call answer Hugo. is let's make sure we get Hugo's email on the on the thing. Reach out to Hugo. Let's figure this out. Yeah. You know, we've had these kind of conversations yeah. before because it's an indication of some pressures yes. that are affecting our ability to function in a really you know, routine operational way. Mm-hmm. And so this is why I think it's re- just really important for us to, 
you know, yeah. flesh this out. I, I can imagine as a dealer, I mean, you got so much that is, especially if you're a smaller operation and you don't have a huge team and, and all of that, that this is just like, it's another one of those pressures. I got to do it. And then when you add in there, you know, you've got a lender and there's covenants and, and it just, it just, I can imagine that just simple questions like this can, can become very heavy sure. because it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, there's all the good reasons about why you should, and there's all their reasons about why they can't. Right. And, yeah. um, and so it does open up this, this can of worms, mm -hmm. um, and or Pandora's box okay. or whatever you want to call it. And, and it's like, so how do I fix this and how do I make it? How, and I think one of the, I know from our um, standpoint, it's like just, you know, if with your lending is you try to, you don't want to take max, try to keep it within a balance or a, a reasonable amount so that you have the wiggle room to do this. Sure. Absolutely. If they're telling you, Hey, we'll advance you 65%. That doesn't mean you need to go and pull 65% immediately. Right. If you don't absolutely mm -mm. need it, mm -mm. No, it's that simple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because when we find ourselves up against the wall with these kind of things, that's a really uncomfortable place it to is. be for dealers and lenders. I mean, it's just not, it's not where we want to end up. Right. So um, if you want to show the screen again, I got some more stuff we need oh, to talk yeah. about the back end. So now if it's time to think about um, um, liquidating this, this vehicle. So we've assigned its value. We've charged it off. It's now in inventory. So now I think the important distinction here, do I need to increase the size? You can if you want to, but um, yeah, sure. this is as big as it's going to go on our end. Oh, gotcha. So, so I think um, the, the main thing to, to kind of consider here is once we've done that process that I showed earlier, where we assign a value and we charge the account off and we've documented our value and the reason we'd use $3,300, then this the original customer is out of the picture. Like that, that's the end of the story with the, um, yeah. ideally. So here's what happens is now if we choose to resell that car internally, then the question becomes if I'm some attorney representing, you know, the, the plaintiff, and we do and, not, we are not attorneys. So yeah, and yeah. I'm coming after <laughs> then I, if I see that, that, car turned around and resold was listed online for, you know, you gave my client $3,300, but I see that you had it advertised on, you know, for $89.95, then it just, to me, it complicates things in a way that I would just rather not complicate. And so, yeah. so this is kind of why I'm offering three scenarios here. I'm saying scenario one, I could just run it to the auction as it is. Don't make any repairs to the body work let it go. It brings what it brings. But in that scenario, if I did that, Hugo, you would know that if, if I, if I put a value on a $3,300, if I overshot a little bit and, and at the auction, it only brought three grand. Worst thing that happens, I'm suffering a $3,000 wholesale loss. Right? Or $300. Or $300 wholesale yeah, loss. Yeah, I was going to say, well, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. A little too early for math for me. <laughs> needs um, more coffee. Uh, so, yeah. So, the <laughs> idea is that I, I've put my value. It's in my wholesale inventory. Whatever happens to it on the wholesale side is what happens on the wholesale side. Mm -hmm. I could make the repairs. Another example I gave over here was, let's say I put the body work. I did the body work. I ran at the auction. It brought $4,300. Now, I make a couple hundred dollars of wholesale profit. So the other thing about this is it's, it's like just done. It's like there's, so, you know, you could make the case that, you know, now that I've done that, I may owe that customer another $200. I mean, this is a pretty uncommon scenario, but I would say, you know, if the attorney wants to get in, in 
go to this part and see my wholesale bill, you know, my bill of sale from the auction, I could say, okay, yeah, I made another $200. Do you owe the customer $200 or do you take $200 more off of what their balance was that they're owing? Neither Hugo Sanchez or Jim Rhodes are attorneys. I cannot <laughs> say, I'm not trying to offer legal advice on the Bible Payer Morning Show. So, you know. It's like, you know, what is, what is it when you say, oh, does that, when you say, oh, does that mean that you're cutting a check for a, for a past customer that already has a deficient balance or that you're just adding or you're subtracting off of the deficient balance? This is the area where I'm saying we're making it gray where we probably don't need to. Okay, gotcha. And so I'm, and it gets even more gray when I turn around and then finance the car again for eighty nine ninety five. And now I'm just saying I make it even more gray. And what I'm recommending to our clients who goes, look, let's just wholesale the car. It's a car. It's a piece of metal. And some dealers kind of get attached to the cars. And, oh, it's too hard to replace. Well, it's real value. If I don't fix the bodywork, it's real value is around three grand. It's, it's cash. Like I'm just going to liquidate that car. That takes me out of the situation with the past it's repo closed customer. Loop. Closes it's that like loop. Nicely I clean. Take that three grand yeah. of cash and I go buy something else. And it's just right. cash, you know? And so that, and that's the kind of the way I would prefer to think about it. And so as a non-attorney, I'm trying to keep my clients out of attorney's offices and out of the courthouse. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this is the way that I feel like is the cleanest way to process. And, and the other things that it kind of does, I think you've already heard me say, now I get rid of my, my non-performing contracts. I got a clean balance sheet. My, my portfolio list is clean. My delinquency list is good. My team is not frustrated about a long list of past due accounts. I've got a clean list over there. I've got my inventory where I can manage it on my inventory report. Mm -hmm. I can start through the reconditioning process if I'm going to recondition. But my recommendation is always to do it. Look, let's let's wholesale this stuff. Let's yeah. wholesale the car. And, and look, I get it. If you're in a rear, really rural place and it's going to cost you a lot of money to move the cars back and forth. And, you know, I understand why you got some motivation mm -hmm. to not do it. But if that's your motivation, then you I would just be recommending let's let's do extra mm -hmm. to make sure we document that value. If we're going to keep it because this, Hugo, is what I've always heard called churning. Have you heard that expression? I have. Right. Mm -hmm. so like it's churning is basically and it's it's very derogatory you know amongst cer certain circles and certainly the cfpb can't be excited about churning so mm -hmm. it's like we're we're taking these cars and we're recycling them and putting them back out and financing them again i'm just saying we 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 complicate our lives a little bit when we do that and, and listen most of the dealers we work with do do it at some level so it's it's not that you're gonna ever make yeah. it stop it's just that we we all need to recognize the how we potentially complicate our lives, you know, when we do that. So that's why I kind of put a note on there that the recycling is, you got some potential legal hazards yeah. around that. Um, George Spat asked, does this change if the dealer lender has a vendor single interest insurance policy a VSI that allows them to recover this loss? I would, you know, George, that's a great question. And I, I better, let me just give you my Jim Rhodes Operational Again, we're not advisor. attorneys, so. <laughs> yeah, operational advisor advice. Uh -huh. I would say it doesn't really change anything. That's really just a question of if the VSI really just deals with the the, the deficient balance. Well, and, and wouldn't that like it, so it's it covers more of the customer side of the deficient balance. So that you're, you know, it's like it alleviates them in a more a like uh, beautiful, it's, it's just, it's a much more, um, uh, yeah, it's just it's a more elegant, beautiful way to to 
wrap that up so that it's like, hey, we did this thing. This right. is going to take care of the stuff. Yeah. And now you don't have as big of a deficient balance. So if you are reporting to credit reporting agencies, having that actually, it does help the customer. It helps their position and their ability to. And I would do. say whatever, regardless of what's yeah. happening with, um, you know, this could be a gap situation. This car could be wrecked is the reason we possessed, right? Yeah. So there could also be gap. But for me, this process wouldn't change much because mm -hmm. as you know, Hugo, we got to deal with the assets on our balance sheet, mm -hmm. which means we got to deal with that yeah. account balance. We got to deal with the collateral that we recovered from an accounting standpoint. So I think for me, I would still be processing everything the same. And there may be some some BSI checks, there may be some gap checks that get applied yep. to this customer's account balance. But for me, the actual process of managing the, the collateral would be the same. I think that's yeah. that's the part that uh, I would recommend. Yeah, whether reinsurance is involved or not, or any sort of insurance policy, I think going back to what we were talking about, and it's just the process of the repo and valuing the, the fair market value mm -hmm. um, should be consistent. It, that that yeah. doesn't change anything. We continue to use either MMR, Black Book, whatever, you know, or, or an average. Um, that shouldn't impact what we're doing for yeah. those, those numbers. You know, yeah. I remember there, there was a, there's a dealer that Jim worked with for forever. Um, and, uh, in his 20 group, I, he was someone, he came from a accounting background. Um, and in his 20 group, so he, you know, he was about like, how do you put all of the stuff and make it so that everything is just clean and, and all of that. He was really quick with, charging things off and, you know, getting it done as quickly as possible. And his, his 20 group was like, you're doing it too fast. You need to sit on that a little bit longer. And he's like, nope. <laughs> and, and he was very, very, very successful dealer and just clean, uh, you know, Jim, I know I just really liked working with because it was just like, this is, this is what is possible people. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and, and yeah. I, I think for me that you talked about at a right away on the charge offs and, and I said, at the most monthly, but I really think with our clients, we would be recommend a weekly routine. Mm -hmm. right? Every Thursday, you charge off those accounts that are in the queue and that are eligible. Some of them may be waiting for a bid to come back on the body work or whatever. So I probably wait on that. Mm -hmm. But once all the stuff is in and you have all the information, I would it would be a weekly routine, like every Absolutely. Thursday. Nobody, I get it. No dealer wants to see a dip in the principal or number of accounts, and so maybe they're yeah. waiting for a couple more sales to finalize or you know to kind of keep things. But yeah, no, we definitely shouldn't play with that timing and, and you know, kind of just hold out or whatever. I've seen some dealers get a little looser with their underwriting um, too, which I just do not recommend whatsoever. Um, no. Just to be able to close some deals, get some more notes on the books before they charge off some of the stuff that's been sitting on the lot. Um, definitely, definitely yeah. don't want to do that. Yeah, um, we, we, that's, that's an uncomfortable place. I, the big, I, big thing is absolutely consistency, having a procedure of when to repo, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, what, what, um, fair market value you're going to use and, and kind of just, you know, a, a system in place. And really we all know as business owners, right. I'm not a dealer. I don't have a lot, but I'm a small business owner. And I know that creating systems and having kind of rules in place is just going to make the whole procedure go much faster. So it's not this daunting task, right? Yeah. So yeah. Set these rules and have these guidelines and have, you know, MMR ready or whatever, um, you know, just make it easier and be consistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one thing we didn't talk about that I need to throw a mention in there about and not, not Michelle hadn't even really been exposed to this part of it, but it's like we have a curing requirement. Like when we repossess a car, we we're required to notify the customer and give them an opportunity to cure the default to come and right. settle up. And while that doesn't happen very often, that's a really low percentage of the customers actually come and either pay off or resolve the account somehow. 
we still have that obligation to hold that car for that period of time. Now, I just to be clear, operationally, it doesn't prevent you from charging off the account three days after you get it. But if the customer came in on day nine of their 10 day cure, as an example, I would need to still have the car, right? I would need to still have the car and I really wouldn't want to have touched it with any recon at that point in time. So I, I recommend start your assessment process, but don't start any of the reconditioning until you're fully cured. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now, mm-hmm. so I really wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be charging off in most cases, you know, it's a, roughly a 10 day thing, I think. And so again, we're not talk to your attorney and make sure on that part, but you're, you're going to hold a car for a period of time. You're going to cure it. Then you're going to charge it off. Then you're going to start managing the collateral and the repossessed car. And, 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 and that's like the curing thing. Isn't that, doesn't that time start on the day that they're notified that there's a cure? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it's like that, then that's of one piece in this whole thing. That's the thing that has to be so timely yeah. is that that's sent out like immediately. So you start that 10 day clock. Yeah. Same gotcha. business day whenever possible. Yeah. Like you just, and so typically, you know, I think most dealers are doing certified mail on that. Mm-hmm. And so you just want to get that thing out right away. Right. Uh, so you can start the clock and dispose of the collateral. But yeah, I think, you know, that's the thing I see Hugo. Sometimes the dealers say, man, I don't feel, I can't charge it off yet. Cause that's going to come out of my borrowing base, you know? And so, wow, we gotta, we, we mm-hmm. just, we, so all the more reason to let's, let's charge it off. Let's deal with the borrowing base. Let's get the car to the auction as quickly as it's eligible and, let's and get a new car on the lot. And, yeah. You know, and, and keep that pipeline kind of moving. Cause when that right. stuff starts to stack up, that's when, that's when people get themselves in trouble and we just, we, we want to keep people out of trouble. So what else? enough, man, I, <laughs> go ahead, you go ahead. You, you, I know you, you share that perspective. No, absolutely. I, I agree a hundred percent. I think the, the only other thing I would touch on uh, coming from the, the tax background that I am is 1099 C's, right? We got to oh, talk good. about repos. We got to talk about 1099 C's. If, that's okay. right. yeah. if you have a related finance company, the dealership, the lot, the, sorry, the dealership entity does not have to issue them. Um, only the related finance company because they're oh. considered a banking institution and okay. they, they're in the business of lending. So that 1099C filing requirement comes in. So if you repo a vehicle that is in your RFC's portfolio, you may need to issue those 1099Cs and those need to be issued once you've pretty much stopped all collection efforts, right? If you're not going after any garnishments or anything like that at all, um, typically in states that do strict foreclosure, you issue them in the year that, you know, you repo them. Um, but don't forget those because, the, you know, those the, the number of accounts that you write off or repo throughout the year add up. Those 1099Cs need to go out the following January. And that's something you would be audited for. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So nice. one of the questions on all tax returns now is, did you make any payments that would require a filing a 1099? And if yes, did you or will you file all required 1099s? Well, guess what? We, if we mark yes and no, we didn't file them. Big audit flag there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So good, to clarify, good, good thing. Yeah, we, we should good probably comment. have you back in the future and talk just about those, and and we can let you get past tax re- or tax <laughs> season, but uh, get you back in here and talk about that. But I think in that scenario that we talked about, then that ten ninety nine C is basically like reporting to the customer that this is going to be reported as income to you. This this. $7,000 in my example, the $7,000 deficiency balance is going to be reported as income to you. Correct. And it, it pisses them off. I get that. Um, the real thing, the, the, and not to get in the weeds on the tax law thing, but they probably won't actually have to record it as income, right? Yeah. Um, when you get a 1099C, if you are insolvent, which basically means your debt, li- your debts, liabilities are more than your assets, which unfortunately a lot of our customers are in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, then that 1099C is not actually taxable income. It, 
okay. you know, but um, so oftentimes it won't actually be taxable income. What I tell my dealers to tell them is, look, I am required by law to send these out. Talk to your tax professional about, you know, how yeah. you're going to report it on your tax return. Yeah. Um, they'll be telling them, hey, you probably don't need, you know, to report it as income or whatever, just tell them, go and talk to your tax professional. Yeah. And that's probably like a huge plug for finding an accountant that understands this space Absolutely. because you can have the accountant that you've had in the family for a thousand years. And, you know, Jim's like, I'm not an accountant, but I've trained a few. Um, and no, I don't like, mean that. I mean that in the nicest possible way, Hugo. <laughs> no, trust me. I, I get it a hundred percent. And I, and I have to give you a little, uh, just a, a mini shout out. You know, we're always, uh, one of the things, especially when we take on a new client, that we we listen very closely to the way they describe the customer, and um and you know we every once in a while and and I would I would challenge every single dealer out there. Do you describe them as these people? Because we hear it a lot, these people, because they completely want to separate themselves from these people. Or do you describe them as our customers? And you describe them as our customers. And I just want to like, ding, ding, ding. Here's your gold star for the day. Thank <laughs> you. Right. I'm going to call off the rest of the day. <laughs> if, you, you, I, if you need a note, I'll send you. <laughs> so cool. Or just have Amanda call me. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I, I want a gold star. That's I, not honey, <laughs> I will give you a gold star. Yeah. So uh, let me make Make sure I just uh, put it on the screen here. I'm going to put it on the screen. There's how to reach Hugo. When you yes. have a tough tax question yes. or you need uh, an mm -hmm. accounting firm who really understands your business, like yes. these folks live and breathe, buy here, pay here, RFCs, they know that stuff really well. And they have a really consultative mm -hmm. approach. It's more than just tax returns. So, yeah. so if you need to, you know, professional help and many of the folks that we meet do Hugo. So we're always making yeah. sure they know how to find you. So here's a, a good way to reach them. And of course, Amanda is his uh, uh, wife and business partner. And uh, so she's also involved and their firm is growing nicely in uh, the mm -hmm. Houston area. And, uh, and that's because they provide a solution that is uh, and it's all too rare all across the, the country. So, yeah. um, you know, if, if you need a good accountant, um, Hugo is a, a great option. Yeah. And Hugo, I think you and I need Sanchez. to work on some sort of a combo coaching and accounting <laughs> package for clients in Hawaii. I, I'm okay. I have, I have a non-dealer client in Hawaii and I keep saying, I just got to fly out there for meetings, you know? Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh, can, can you add a non-dealer? <laughs> Yeah. So non-dealer. Non they, they don't need dealer coaching. <laughs> I'll see if he wants to open a car lot. I mean, yeah, we've got there all you go. covered. <laughs> oh, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, Jim, um, for, for joining yes. us. I know you're busy. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. I appreciate it. Always good chatting with you. You too. Uh, if you want to just stick around for a second and we can say proper goodbye when we are done. We appreciate your time and your willingness very, very much so. All righty. Um, great. Uh, yeah. Great. That's good information. I think people, yeah. um, you know, we just don't get a platform to talk about this enough mm -hmm. and we just see it a little too frequently. And so it's just something that I'm glad we've made time to talk about. It. I'm glad Hugo was able to join and it just, yeah. you know, it's not the only way to do it. It's just that we, we strongly recommend that you find a routine and this is, this is a good one to and adopt. It, and it's a way to do it in a clean fashion. And yeah. so that your charge offs and all of that, just, it stays really clean and, there's, you know, there's less of you do it, some, do it something like this, then there's, there's less of this buildup and, and heck, we get it that 
little monkeys turn into huge gorillas on your back mm -hmm. and this can be a little monkey and it just can continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and so if we find yeah. ways to step in and, and do things in a really timely manner it will in the long run help you feel like you don't have a gorilla on your back yeah. about all the uh, stuff yeah. accounting is one of those things that oh it's so much fun yeah, to, right. to uh have that gorilla yeah so, sure yeah <laughs> all right folks, thanks for tuning in enjoy your weekend oh, it's friday enjoy your friday everybody thanks again so much for joining us we'll be back on monday um i think that we're going to be spending the weekend going through some of the what topics we're going to be talking about um for next week and uh we may have we may have amanda sanchez but what? sometime in the next week or two because there's some things that she and i were talking about that i think would be really beneficial for all of our listeners to hear nice. so all right everybody have yourself a great rest of your day and um we will see you all on monday <laughs>